Hello, I'm Sarah. <laughs> and I'm Joanna. And we are your therapists next door. Join us as we demystify therapy and destigmatize mental health. Every episode, we interview a healthcare professional or others. It's sometimes serious, sometimes sad, most times ridiculous. This week, we welcome back Carissa Weber, who is a counselor and blogger. Welcome everyone to Therapist Sorry. Next. <laughs> Welcome everyone to Therapist Next Door, the podcast that shows you the human side of your friendly neighborhood healthcare worker. We do this by interviewing someone in the helping profession, asking questions that you want the answers to, and answering questions that you didn't know you had. Mm, well, I'm Joanna, a board certified music therapist and a licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. I'm a white, straight, cisgendered female, and my pronouns are she, hers. And right now, to get my dog used to having a baby in the house, we have to play uh, babies crying while she's eating. <laughs> so that's fun. No, it's not. <laughs> It's not fun. No, it's not. I've been biting my nails waiting for this. Because <laughs> I uh, just <laughs> a peek behind the the microphone is uh, I told Sarah that I had a a really good one. Oh, I was very nervous. Okay, and I am Sarah, an LPC from Pennsylvania, transplant from South Jersey. They're not that far from each other. They're right next to each other. I am a straight cis white woman. I'm a pronouncer, she, her, and I am on season 10 of Murdoch Mysteries, (laughs) (laughs) a show about turn of century Toronto. It is terrible and it is very funny. Oh, Uh, on purpose? uh, or uh, None (laughs) of it. None of it's intentional. Every it's, 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 Listen, we could talk about it for days. It's a uh, turn of century Toronto, which that should get you interested already. He is a Catholic detective living in Protestant Toronto in the late 1890s, early Mm. 1900s. And he gets into his fair share of mysteries. (laughs) Obviously, there's 15 seasons. It's still going. (laughs) What? They're hour-long episodes. I watched a whole season yesterday. They have hundreds of episodes. That's very nice to say. Thank you. Speaking of starting something monumental, this morning I started watching WrestleMania 1, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> which we got Paramount Plus. No, not Paramount Plus. Oh, man. Peacock Plus, uh, oh. because we wanted to watch Scream 1 and 2. <laughs> so. I get that. That's, that's a good reason. And then I also saw that, that, that they had WWE or F. I can't remember which one it is now. Uh, and I was like, yes, we should do this because there might be WrestleMania. And like, I don't know. We, uh, I, I'm just really excited about it. So so for the listener, Joanna, as you've learned, she does love reality TV. Also a fan of wrestling. Uh, years <laughs> back, she invited her, and her husband now, invited me and my husband now at time all uh, 
there's no reason to tell this part of the story. <laughs> invited us to a wrestling show in Northeast Philly, uh, uh, blo- blocks from Four Seasons Landscaping, by the way. <laughs> blocks from a prison as well. <laughs> blocks from a prison, famous for uh, Northeast Philly. I, no, okay. It's in North Northeast Philadelphia, which is now internationally famous for Four Seasons Landscaping. But before, yeah. <laughs> it was famous for Chikara Wrestling Company, which is the first no, that's a lie. I did go to WWE once, which is just a wrestling troupe in the Northeast. I don't know if they're still doing shows, Joanna, but that was, I think not I went like three more times with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I loved Shakara when it was there. It was very family friendly. Mm-hmm. Um, I, what I do miss like watching this early WWF is that, um, oh, it's WWE now because the World Wildlife Fund sued WWF f- for the, yeah. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I, I like, yeah, that's why it changed. Um, <laughs> I, I liked just the spectacle of it. Um, kids were free and they also like made sure that you didn't swear. They didn't sell beer there also, which like mm-hmm. helped it not be, um, you know, nuts. And, but it still was like, I was really getting into like making up creative ways to like tell people they were bad and like yelling them and it was it was just so much fun the storylines were great um I, I my just favorite I, I took a picture when we were there once of just like the ring and then when I looked at the photo afterwards there's just a guy pointing directly at me <laughs> in the middle of like the royal rumble he's just I don't know what happened why he was safe enough to do this but and I'm just doing this for the benefit of you too he's just pointing at me like this <laughs> Oh, you were there and when they no. did when they did the infinite gauntlet where it was like yeah. 44 people just came out and it was so fun. And, and then that for those, really this guy was like massive. He came out. I felt afraid for my mm-hmm. own self. Watching you don't like, see I was how like, this on is TV how dangerous. sweaty too, and a couple of people oh were bleeding. Gosh. I mean, I get it. It was physical, physical activity, but man, these these are human beings throwing each other around and wrestling. So they got some got some fluids going. <laughs> I have to recommend the the dark, the dark side of wrestling too. This is how my Mm -hmm. husband and I got back into it. It's like a documentary series on Hulu, really well produced. Even if you don't like wrestling, it's really good. Um, The dark side of the nineties, not so great. This, this is, this is top notch anyway, wrestling and also playing baby's crying for my dog which she doesn't like it anymore and like refused to eat so oh nice oh i, I also <laughs> want to plug murdoch mysteries again because okay. you'll learn that he invented everything <laughs> so every fantastic. now and then i'm yelling i'm like yelling from the other room to my husband murdoch just invented the frisbee <laughs> murdoch just invented night finish goggles or night vision goggles <laughs> uh murdoch's french just did the first sit in <laughs> he <laughs> is the first one to do everything i think he also he invented some he invented the fax machine as well he invents something wow. every episode that was not invented by him what a like he's a macgyver sort of character too. <laughs> yeah there's a lot there yeah but that's oh. literally been my time and thank you and good night okay um is it is it like a like a british procedural because i was i've i think i've watched all of them i was looking for another one to watch you mean like a bb like similar to bbc yeah like Marce marcella marcella oh no no not not okay no no it is they actually it's very canadian pride 
Um, they do not like Americans, which I mean, cool. They yeah. do not love. I mean, they like people from England because that's where the queen and then the king lived. Uh, but then English people come there and call them colonials. <laughs> Should get a nice chuckle out of. It's... There are a couple like BIPOC characters, which is nice. There definitely could be way more. Um, cool. Yeah, it's not great. It okay. looks like it was filmed in a college film course, but they had <laughs> millions of dollars for wardrobe and sets. And every shot is 10 inches from the person's face. And I think it's because <laughs> they didn't have a lot of like scenery. <laughs> 15 like, seasons. Like Handmaid's Tale, just like really close <laughs> yeah just up in june's pores yeah yes anyway. wow really Very nice. This. anyway how are your floors it's on hulu <laughs> it's on hulu <laughs> my floors are the proverbial floors are pretty clean i do have to sweep i if i made a mistake in our last episodes i don't remember it was a very long time ago I do have like, I guess it's not a mistake. It's just more of like an addition to something I was talking about in like, I don't think last episode, maybe last episode, maybe the episode before about how silent I am and um, how people just don't see me places. Um, and I work, I used to work in a library that had um, stacks that rotated, you know, so they moved around and that's how the chart room was at my last job. You know, you could like move them how many times have I gotten stuck in those because people just assumed I wasn't there so many times and then you're like help please stop and th- it just keeps going could that crush you uh no mm. yeah <laughs> I guess like books or charts could fall <laughs> on me and that would be dangerous but the ones in the I, library seem it. like more serious than these chart ones than the chart room ones I could mm-hmm. like push those with my body but yeah. I was envisioning like a laundromat of like the big, the flying clothes flying up the thing and then like going across the ceiling. But I don't think that's what you're explaining nope. at all. No, Not no, it's, it's like was. the garbage compactor in Star Wars. That you know, just like close you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. it, it would stop. I mean, somebody would have to like really go like <laughs> to hurt you. I do know what you're talking about. They have those under the, the Perlman building. Uh, which is an extension of the Philadelphia Museum of Art. And I know that that was the most interesting fact I've ever given. (laughs) Wait, no, I wasn't there yesterday. I was there on Friday. Anyway, (laughs) that's my interesting fact for today. But my floors are pretty clean other than that. Cool. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Well, speaking of cleaning, uh, let's get to our lesson for today. After this break. (laughs) And we're back. <laughs> wow. And now it's time. <laughs> and now it's time for our history lesson or lesson, which is compiled facts describing history and or current events, good and bad, in order to give context for the field or subject our interviewee works in or is talking about today. Our sources for today are an article entitled The Surprising History Behind Spring Cleaning by Andreana Lefton and Joanna 
Can you guess what our next source is? I mean, I I'm looking at it, so I feel like it would be it would be lying if I said guessing, but it's Wikipedia. Wikipedia.org. No trigger warnings for today. Unless let's cleaning let's talk is, a little uh, bit about <laughs> anyway. I'm stop talking. Okay. <laughs> let's talk about the history and culture of spring cleaning. As the earth tilts towards the sun, in the northern hemisphere at least, the daffodils are blooming and there's a freshness in the air. It feels natural to fling open the windows, let in some fresh air, and maybe vacuum under the rugs. This quote feeling is part of a worldwide phenomenon known as spring cleaning, with roots that trail through neurochemistry, religion, spirituality, and healthy living, as well as spiritual, uh, spiritual cleaning is a popular practice that given could even be considered a global right. Mm. Biology may also play a role in the human urge to spring. During darker, darker winter months, the body produces more melatonin, a hormone that increases sleepiness. I get that. Yeah, currently. As days lengthen, this natural lethargy, this natural lethargy lessens, and we literally feel, quote, lighter. Just Ooh. dreaming of spring as I'm reading this. With greater energy, we're more likely to want to clean our homes or places that we live. Yeah. Which is a home. Yes. In the Judeo-Christian tradition, spring cleaning dates back to biblical times. A possible origin of spring cleaning dates back to the ancient Jewish practice of thoroughly cleansing the home in, a, in anticipation of the springtime festival of Passover. According to the book of Exodus, the Israelites had to leave Egypt in such a hurry that they did not have time for bread to rise and had to rely on unleavened bread for their journey. During Passover, which typically falls between late March and mid-April, to commemorate the liberation of the Israelites, the Torah requires that no traces of leaven, called shamets, be left in the house. And it takes a heap of cleaning to get rid of every crumb. Or if you just have a dog who eats everything, you got no crumbs. My yeah. cats hunt. They hunt crumbs, crumbs and knock them across. Her. They hunt everything that is smaller than them, hmm. which includes do, me when I'm laying down. I'm do they eat the crumbs or just bat them around? Um, no, they'll only by eat. Do you mean just put it in its mouth and then just like drop them out? Because they'll okay. do that. Like consume. Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um. In Thailand and a number of other South, South and Southeast Asian countries, the New Year is celebrated from April 13th to 15th. This is the holiday of Songkran, a festival of purification. It's also a time when many people scour their homes from top to bottom. Water plays a vital role in the celebration of washing away sins and bad luck. People take to the streets to pour water over each other, and in a sacred rite, they pour water over statues of the Buddha, asking for blessings and good luck in the new year. The Japanese practice of Osiji, Osoji, big cleanup, dates back to the Edo period from 1603 to 1868, if not before. In this December ritual, people clean their homes to welcome the deities of the new year. Today, many continue the practice during Japan's Golden Week, a period of seven days from late April to early May that contains four national holidays. Sounds like a very intense week. Yeah. Yeah. Some researchers trace the origin of spring cleaning to the Iranian Narwuz, the Persian New Year, which falls on the first day of spring. Narwuz is celebrated on the first day of spring around March 20th. In addition to eating special foods and wearing bright colors, many Iranians still practice Kenet Takami, which means, quote, shaking the house, end quote, 
Everything gets cleaned and the dust of the old year is swept away and replaced with fresh flowers like hyacinth and tulips. Traditionally, the Catholic Church thoroughly cleans the church altar and everything associated with it on Maundy Thursday, Mm -hmm. the day before Good Friday. I've never heard that in the spring. I've never heard the name Maundy Thursday. I thought it was Holy Thursday. but It's both. Okay. Spring cleaning persists today in Greece and other Orthodox nations. It is traditional to clean the house thoroughly either right before or during the first week of Great Lent, both capitalized which is referred to as Clean Week, also capitalized. <laughs> this, this also often corresponds with the Julian New Year on April 1st. During the Victorian era, 1838 to 1901, people largely burned coal for warmth and used gas or oil lamps for light. By winter's end, windows and furnishings were covered in coal dust and oily grime. That's disgusting. Yeah, it's really yeah. gross. <laughs> it's really gross. That's judgmental. That's really gross, though. The pioneering English journalist Isabella Beaton canonized spring cleaning in her popular Miss Beaton's book of household management, where she states that, quote, spring is the usual period set apart for house cleaning. What a riveting quote that is. Yeah. (laughs) This is Beaton's book of household management. Uh, In the 20th century and beyond is what we're going to talk about next. Uh, In modern day England, spring cleaning has been promoted by PR firms and has grown into National Spring Cleaning Week. The campaign has expanded beyond the home to encourage the public to spring clean their finances, technology, and health. On April 20th, 1950, the Aspen Times rallied its citizens for a community-wide cleaning spree. The focus? Yards, gardens, and unattractive vacant lots. The gallant people of Aspen, Aspen, Colorado, responded tidying their backyards and planting flowers in public spaces. The celebration of community spirit has left a legacy of civic pride. Catherine Milkman, a professor at Penn State, hypothesizes that people feel more motivated to set and execute their goals on socially meaningful calendar dates, like the new year, a new semester, or the start of spring. This fresh start effect can have measurable positive effects in the lives of individuals and across society. Stay tuned after the break where we talk to our guests for today. Joanna, today we are welcoming back our first returning guest, our Woo! favorite licensed professional counselor from Wisconsin, and our favorite blogger, Miss Carissa Weber. Welcome back, Carissa. Welcome back. Thank you for having me back, guys. It's really exciting to come back and have some fun. And this is episode 22, which we were counting our 11Zs because we forgot (laughs) episode 10. Uh, This is going to be our episode 22. So that's really exciting. That Um, is. You're back. And I just looked and you were on episode 12. So this this is, that's 10 episodes ago. You are a marker. Whoa. So yeah, Carissa, (laughs) we were talking about spring cleaning during our history lesson. Could you tell us a little bit about what that means to you? Oh my gosh. Spring cleaning is something that's really cool, at least here for me, because it means that things have thought out enough here in Wisconsin that I can get stuff done outside. I can open the windows up. I can get fresh air in my house. And again, you can actually move things because right now, um, Wisconsin, we are Currently at a balmy negative eight degrees with a wind uh, negative 22. So um, uh, if it's frozen, it ain't moving. 
mother of god we had our first like snowfall we're like oh we can't take it three inches and we're also very aware that like we might not have snow for many more years after this but it does Uh, not sound like wisconsin is we got like six to eight inches over here in the city so oh one hour away from you yeah yeah so it's supposed (laughs) to snow today we're supposed to get i believe six inches today between the the snowfall so but we also know in Wisconsin that once the temperature drops below zero, usually the snow is a little inaccurate to report because it's too cold for it to actually snow. <laughs> but no, so spring cleaning for me means it's like, yes, it's time to get out in your gardens. It's time to get the house cleaned up. It's going to smell fresh instead of kind of the stale winter furnace air. Yes, absolutely. I hear, I hear that. No more dry air, which is as, as a, as a pregnant woman, who's (laughs) always dehydrated, just like being dry. It's terrible. I'm constantly applying moisturizer everywhere all the time. Yeah. Oh gosh. Yes. Do not miss those days. My last pregnancy, I was pregnant through the entire winter and it was like, I couldn't get enough to drink. I could put enough lotion on. I had the humidifier going. I had a bot, you know, like mm-hmm. a pot of boiling water on the stove yep. and everybody else was like sweating. And I am like, I need moisture. <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah. There's, there's moisturizer every single room in my house, just in case I need it. I wish you could, this, someone would invent like a suit that you, that you could just put moisturizer on and just like put on. Cause like, that's what I need. I need it. It's, it's so anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I think, I think a lot of times for that, it's like, just put it on and don't rub it in, but then you're everything you touch is just like greasy. You're leaving, leaving like a snail grease line. <laughs> Yeah. Like I put on the, put it on my feet and then I walk around and you can see exactly where I've walked. <laughs> <sighs> That's really adorable. And you yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> so what's been going on clinically, Carissa, anything that you have seen or heard that has. Oh, been well, I know for us here in Wisconsin, things have kind of gotten scary with COVID again. So we've done a lot of switching back to telehealth. Um, a lot of seasonal affective disorder happening, um, especially with the cold weather. Um, a lot of parents at their wits ends because it's not like we can just shove our kids outside and say, go play, take your energy out. Um, and even some of the options that you have that are indoor to take your kids to are closed because of COVID. Um, so there's a lot of parents going crazy, a lot of kids going crazy, a lot of teachers going crazy, um, you know, which is to be expected. Cause I know what was it last weekend? No, wait, it was Thursday, not even last weekend. It was Thursday that the temperature outside temperature, not wind chill temperature was negative 24. <laughs> so it's I like, feel, it does feel like last that, that like thir- the Thursday was three weeks ago. Um, it does. Yeah. I feel that. It was like appalling to me how cold it is there. I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm having a very hard time accepting that because it's nine degrees here. And I, I took a walk for three blocks and I was like, this is just unlivable. 
<laughs> yeah. Well, and it was really Absolutely funny not. because the first week of January, my um, good friend and I, we took a trip out to Colorado and just to be like, Hey, let's start the year off. Right. Let's go have some fun. And, you know, we were driving through Colorado Springs and we had the truck windows down and it was 60 degrees. Even when we went up in the mountains to go snowmobiling and dog sledding, it was still like 20 degrees. Um, it was great. It was wonderful. Our flight got delayed into Minneapolis because Minneapolis was having freezing issues. And we're like, okay, no big deal. We landed. And I kid you not, we got off, you know, where you get into the airplane and there's like that little tunnel thing, mm -hmm. instant breath. You could see your breath. We looked at the temperature and we landed at 11 o'clock at night and it was two degrees. And we both looked at each other, like, do we have to go back? <laughs> And then we were reminded, yes, that we have husbands and children and practices and businesses we have to go to. So we're like, we have to go back. But it took our car in Minneapolis almost 20 minutes to warm up enough for it to be able to shift. And it's like, ah, let's go back to where it was 60 degrees. <laughs> I have no, I, I can, I have no concept of that. I like, oh like I want to warm my car up so it doesn't make noises, not so it like can move. Well, and it, <laughs> funny, funny thing is in Wisconsin, a lot of people drive diesel vehicles, not necessarily for the fact that they save money and all that. It's that you can plug the core heater in into like a regular three prong outlet. So the block stays warm enough. So your car will start. So even if you have like a full tank of gas, and I've had that with my Jeep, um, I have a Jeep Wrangler that when we're in, you know, three or four days of negative below zero, if I don't like take our little like turbo heater, like propane heater and put it on it, it won't start <laughs> even if I have a full tank of gas. So it's just, just. I don't yep. think I could do it. <laughs> I'm hey. realizing now that there's no winter episodes yeah. in Murdoch Mysteries because <laughs> I don't think they could right? go there in the winter. Well, and the thing is, I, I and I, I, I joke about this because everyone, you know, you see the memes out there. Why do you live in a place where the air hurts your face? And it's like, well, we don't worry about poisonous bugs or snakes or reptiles. We don't mm -hmm. worry about earthquakes. We don't worry about, you know wildfires that often I say that and I'm going to knock on wood because we in Wisconsin there was a pretty big one here last year but for the most part we don't worry about it we don't have to worry about hurricanes we don't really have to worry about tornadoes we don't have to worry about avalanches <laughs> we get about five months where you just have to worry about the air hurting your face well that sounds like there's methods to manage all oh, of yeah. it yeah. And, and let me tell you once, and this is truly a Wisconsin thing. Once you start hitting weeks again in the spring where you're consistently in the 30 degree mark, it's like people have their windows open. The furnace is being shut off. People are no longer wearing winter jackets. We're outside in just like sweatshirts. The guys who wear only shorts have returned to only wearing shorts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad that those people are everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. my the winter short wearing my, my, my brother is one of them. <laughs> my my youngest brother is one of them as well. And for him, he usually finally stops wearing shorts when it's negative temperatures. Um, even negative wind chills, he'll still wear shorts. He'll wear shorts under like his coveralls when he's going outside to do barn chores or when he's ice fishing, he'll still wear shorts. But when it's below zero, that's when he stops wearing shorts. 
I'm glad that he has the limits. <laughs> he, it, it's like, funny because when he was a teen, he did not. <laughs> but as he's become an adult, he's kind of realized the, you know, there, there's something to be said about being comfortable. <laughs> there certainly is. Yep. There, there's so much. Can we talk about that? Can we talk about comfort? <laughs> I'm on a roll yeah. here. Can we talk about comfort a little bit? Cause you're talking about, or you spoke about that vacation. And I think that that's been a big topic, you know, especially as of late, as I, as I peruse, you know, U S therapists, Instagram pages is just very much prioritizing our mental health, obviously, but also setting aside a lot of time for regular time off for vacations yeah, and, um, normalizing that being okay with that and mm-hmm. pursuing it unapologetically. Uh, how have you, how has that presented for you at all? If anything, you know, I have to say January has been a huge shift for me for a couple different reasons. First is I finally decided, um, for the first time in six years that I was going to take a, a vacation and not just a vacation from work, but a vacation from my family. Um, my girlfriend and I, we left the husbands at home, we left the kids at home and we said, you know what, we just need to go, which really kind of, for me, shifted that idea of, um, you know, even though we're therapists and we're there to help people, we also have to take care of ourselves. And through this entire pandemic, I think therapists, and there hasn't been enough awareness brought to it. I think like we, we see the awareness with doctors, we see it with teachers, we see it with all these other helping professions, but nobody has really talked about truly, how overdrive therapists and licensed clinical social workers and psychiatrists and psychologists have been. Um, nobody has talked about it. And so after that vacation, it was like, okay, that was awesome. And then I went back to the office for a week and then I had to um, quarantine for the simple fact that I had surgery on my arm. Um, surgery number three, and hopefully the last one, my fingers are crossed, but I had yes, to, I yeah. know. So I had to isolate just for the surgical precautions. And a lot of my clients who, there was a lot of them that were like, we can't do telehealth. And I'm like, that's fine. And I was seeing my normal caseload pre-COVID of, you know, four clients, maybe five clients a day. And it was amazing. And I took a whole week off after my surgery versus my first two surgeries where I only took three days, which was not enough. Let me tell you, it was not enough. And I took a whole week off and I was like, I feel like I'm ready to be back and be more present with my clients. And it really has created a shift for me about what I need to do for my upcoming couple of months for practice, because, you know, everyone wants to be and everybody wants to help, but it's like, it really, truly made me go, I need, I need to change how I'm seeing people in my practice so I can be more present versus trying to save everybody and help everybody and have 37 client contact hours a week. And that's not including collateral calls and emails and documentation (laughs) and insurance paperwork. So it has helped me. And also as we talk about like the spring cleaning stuff, it's really helped me understand that this is a new time to create new routines and really model what has to happen or what my clients need to have. So, yes. Thank you for taking a week off 
after your yeah. surgery. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for talking about it so that everyone can hear, take time off. Oh my gosh. Well, and the thing is, as I look at my first two surgeries that I had on my arm and I, uh, long story short, I've had a lot of complicated healing issues going on, including bone graft rejection, um, nerve conductivity issues, and even electrical conductivity issues because of the different types of metals that they put in my arm. Um, I, it's like you would push through it and you're like, you have to be present. You have to be strong. You can't be vulnerable. You have to go, 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 go. And here I am two years later after my first surgery and I have slowed down. And let me tell you, my pain levels have been tremendously better. Um, like my pain control itself has been better. My attitude towards my family has been better. I can actually, cause I've slowed down enough. I can actually like move my fingers and it's like, yeah, maybe I should have actually done that after the first surgery. Maybe I wouldn't have needed two other surgeries to correct my arm if I would have just slowed down. So yes, as therapists listening, you have to slow down. I know that there's so many out there that are with group practices, with agencies, with community mental health who are like, I can't though. It's like, dude, sometimes we have to advocate for ourselves and say that we need this time off because the time mm -hmm. off is what makes us present. And it goes back to the old saying, can you pour from an empty cup? It's, it's definitely yeah. something I've been like dealing with too. I have narcolepsy and I'm also pregnant. I mentioned this. Um, and I can't take the narcolepsy medicine while I'm pregnant. So what no. that means is I am tired hundred percent of the day. Uh, and what that means is I have to take naps twice a day. And as like a former hard worker and, uh, like get everything done list ender, it's been really tough for me to like have to slow down because my body literally won't let, like, won't let me keep working. Um, it, it's so, it's so hard to like find that within yourself too, to like, be like, I, wait, I can't go at the pace I used to. And mm -hmm. I probably shouldn't have been going at that pace in the first place. And that that's exactly what my brain was telling me. It's like, I look at it and it's like, how, how could I do that? How could I keep that pace up? And you're right. As our bodies change, we need to validate that we can't do things the way that we used to do, or we have to do them differently. And even as I think about spring cleaning coming up, because you know, I've already got the itch. I'm the type of person that I'm like, I, I love cleaning. I love organizing. I love making everything pretty and fresh. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, my brain is still saying, Hey, you know, let's do this differently. Let's do this step by step by step. So you can see the progress, have your brain, enjoy it and not be overwhelmed. And that really is kind of the cool thing when we take that step back is we're really priming our brain and more specifically the part of our brain called the insula, which takes in all of our sensory information. And this goes even for like slowing down our practices. Um, we are able to have the sensations be validated by our brain. We're allowing our brain to actually release 
GABA, which is known for decreasing muscle tension, slowing our heart rate down and healing our hippocampus. So our memory gets bigger. Our hippocampus gets stronger. And when we do that, we're able to see the progress versus just the negativity. I mean, as a therapist, I'm sure you guys have been there too, where you have those days where you're just kind of like beating your head against the wall. You're like, why can't we break through this? Why can't we break through this? And it really makes us not look at the cool little progresses that we've made. So slowing down, taking those steps, allowing our senses to be validated allows our insula and our hippocampus to actually work together so we can see those little progresses. I feel like those little lies that we tell ourselves like, oh, you know, I, this is a, this is a hand or an arm or a leg injury. It's not going to keep me from being able to give effective therapy. And from what you're describing there, absolutely. Everything that is secreted and everything that is stored and everything that heals will mm -hmm. all be related to the amount of mental rest we give ourselves. Exactly. And I can tell you those first, after those first two surgeries, the first day I was back. So day four post-op, I might've been there physically. I might've been able to know the words I needed to say, because we kind of have some of those scripts like ingrained in our brain, but my brain was not there. My brain was going, okay, when is your next ibuprofen dose? Okay. You got a moment here. You got to answer emails. How are you going to answer emails when you can't flip and type? <laughs> and so you're just pecking it and you get so angry and you get so bitter and you get so resentful and it's like, no, slow down, let your brain heal, let your body heal. Because we know when your body is healing, so is your brain. I think so many people and clinicians, we have to keep it in mind that our brain is part of our body. <laughs> And it is impacted by the changes we have, whether it's an injury, whether it's a pregnancy, whether it's seasonal changes. I mean, how many clients come in who like me, have, they're, they're either klutzes or they've lived quite the, the crazy life. And they're like, God, I just hurt all over the place. Why am I so cranky? It's like the barometric pressure has dropped. The pressure in your joints has increased and your brain is telling you that you're hurting. That's why you're a cranky ass bitch right now. <laughs> C-A-B. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, it's also like a lot of the, the slack that we give clients to be like, listen, this is a tough part of the year. Also it's COVID also it's this. So it's okay that you're feeling that way. Like I definitely don't give myself, which is hard because like, I know my brain knows it, but like, I don't give it to myself. Well, the thing is, is I think as therapists, we tend to forget to apply it to ourselves. I think we're really good at talking about it. And I think we forget to apply it to ourselves because we're so busy talking about it that we feel like it should just automatically happen. When in reality, we're human. It's not going to automatically happen for us. I mean, I don't know about you guys. I've been practicing for over, oh my God, in April, it will be 12 years. Ah, I'm dating myself now, but 12 years of practice. And you put that, oh my God, with eight years of education, I have been at this for 20 years. How is that possible? Um, little, little mental breakdown for a moment. Oh my God, I've been at this for 20 years. But it doesn't mean that it's automatically happening just because I tell people to do it and I show them how to do it. If we're not doing it ourselves, it's not gonna happen. 
Oh, why would it? You've been, you were in academia for eight years and then you were in a helping profession uh, pre-COVID? Fuck off. Why would you know any of that? Why, right? why would that be something normal? And even then when yeah. we talk about COVID, COVID totally turned everything upside down. Mm-hmm. It turned everything upside down. So even what we did do before COVID doesn't, it doesn't apply anymore. Yeah. I don't know about you guys. But I have a lot of clients where now I meet them. <laughs> I meet them when we play at, you know, we're playing Xbox and playing Minecraft together versus doing virtual. Because if I sit a 12 year old boy in front of a camera, of course, I'm not going to get anything out of him. Get him into a, you know, our, our chat for survival mode and how I will know more about what's going on in that kid's life while he is mining for diamonds to make some cool invincible armor and me shooting the zombies behind his back and the Endermen, I want to learn more from him doing it that way than I would be sitting here in front of a camera. Likewise, how many times, you know, even in session, we've learned how to adapt things like, yep, we can't play with the Legos right now. However, let's do it this way. So yeah, what used to work isn't going to work now. I think that's amazing that you have that flexibility. I mean, I think like this speaks to also the larger like questions that our profession is having as to like, what's the therapeutic relationship? Because like virtual, I mean, I'm sitting right now. This is what a client sees, you know, like this is, this is my house, you know, like, is that okay? And, and playing games. I mean, I've been looking into like playing games as, as in like therapy groups and it's just so, you know, it's so it takes a, like a breaking away somewhat of what we've been taught Mm -hmm. because you're engaging it in play. Yeah. Yeah. It is so weird. Cause even, and the thing is, is it's also putting us as a profession, like you said, to change and try to figure out how we're going to get the insurance companies to play nice with us. Because let me tell you, I belong to this amazing Facebook group, um, geek therapy. Me too. Oh my gosh. I have, I have four clients who I've brought up the idea of a D and D group therapy. And let me tell you, as All a right. dungeon- this is, this is what we're going to talk about for the rest of the episode. So but I have <laughs> Good night. this great play and I have clients who are willing and wanting to do this. However, how the licensing is in the state of Wisconsin, since my practice is technically not licensed as a group practice or a group therapy practice, I can't do it. And I'm like, do you know how many people this could help? Do you know how many people I could get to work through their communication struggles and do it virtually? Uh, and like in a really non-confrontational and like super exciting and fun way. Yes. And it's like, and in the state of Wisconsin, I don't know how it is for you guys in Pennsylvania to get the group practice I'm in licensed to do group therapy is going to take nine and a half months. We had a new therapist join us. I'm not joking. Brand new baby therapist join us. She took her NBCC back in July and she still has not gotten her LPCIT training license. It has not come through. They've cashed her check. She's taken her exams and we still have no status update as to when she can get her licensing number. Hell, even if we could get her licensing number, we could start getting her credentialed for insurance so she can see people. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's think, not 
I don't think PA is that level, but no, New Jersey, yeah. I applied for my license there and yep, like a year ago, right? February. <laughs> yeah. I emailed of, them of a dozen times. Of 2021, right? Of 2021. Yes, yes. No, that, yeah, that, it was like, last yeah. year. <laughs> and it's like, for me, it, it, when we talk about this, it's been so eye-opening to how much insurance companies truly have dictated our practice. And in my brain, it's almost like they they want the money, but they don't want to actually help people. <laughs> It's almost like it's on purpose. Yeah. Well, even when I talk about some of my other clients, because I've talked about doing the Minecraft with some of my my kiddos. I've talked about really trying to get the D&D group going. I would love to be able to do this. Oh my gosh. Like I would love, 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 love to be able to do this because in my brain, I've already got it like planned out and mastered out. I, I have figured out how I can do my dice online. I have got my book all written down. So I'm ready to go. And it's like this roadblock and it's like, well, do I get myself in trouble and just do it on the side and do it a cash pay thing and get my ass in trouble and then not be able to practice at all? And it's like, sir, I mean, that's, would, yeah, that's, we're able to do that here. We're able to do that here. What are the, what are the rules yeah. around that? It's so in, in Wisconsin, since my group practice that I belong to is credentialed with the state, they have to come in and check everything and everything you do has to be okay by them. So if we're not licensed for group practice, like group therapy, we can't do it. Okay. Right now, there's a huge thing going on in Wisconsin with AODA services. So essentially, um, anybody who is in private practice, we can't provide drug and alcohol services because the state is on a standstill. In the last year, our drug (laughs) overdose weight, like our drug overdose numbers have increased over 200%. Of course. Of course, it was it was the busiest time for relapse, I think, right in the beginning of the pandemic as well, yep. uh, nationwide. And it is insane because it's like there's a lot of therapists right now in Wisconsin that are dissolving their group practices to go for a single proprietor um, practices for the simple fact that that's their way around the state. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. It is their way around the state and saying, well, you're telling us I can't help you. I can't do this. I have these eight month long wait lists. You're not giving me the licensure I need to do group therapy to get more people in. Screw it. I'll go do my own practice. And as a single proprietor, you don't have to credential, like you have to keep your licensing credential, but you don't have to have a, a, a state credentialed office. I, I, I don't do, Joanna, do we have to do that for group practices? Have a no, license here? Yeah. I don't know. Right, that just I'm seems like such red tape. My goodness. It is. It I, is I, red tape in Wisconsin. It, it makes it, it makes it hard for people who are like moving to Wisconsin as therapists to be like, what to do. Cause even if you look at like our professional website, like the Wisconsin department of safety and well and professionalism, there is no clear outline on how to start your own practice or what is required of a practice or what happens if you hire on another therapist, there is no clear outline anywhere. Many of us here in Wisconsin, we just kind of say, Hey, 
have you done it? What have you heard? <laughs> Type of thing. Yikes. Yeah. I, I have this theory that in the beginning of the pandemic, insurance was reimbursing everybody's payments because they didn't want any therapist to go into sole proprietorship and then have to do out of network payments and yeah. like that, which I think I, I, my theory just keeps getting strengthened as, as this as conversation continues. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, my long list of reasons I didn't want to take insurance. I mean, adding to it also that, what the fuck was I going to say? Insurance. I mean, the, the rate is, so the rate is lower. You get, you get hooked up with clients at a higher rate, but it's not always going to be people that are a good fit for you. Exactly. And also you, I had to be on the phone so frequently with one provider specifically oh. that were constantly asking me, which is like, so it feels illegal and is also unfair. Like, what is his treatment plan? What is, what's his suicidality? What is his, this, what is mm-hmm. his, that? okay, how can you warrant him still getting treatment weekly? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that moment I was like, I was doing the, the uh, in my head, dusting of the hands, like kids, we're done here. We're done. We're done with insurance. Yeah. Just- and that's, it's so crazy because as we get back into this idea of taking care of ourselves and finding comfort, I think it paralyzes a lot of therapists because there are so many clients who will say, I will not see anybody unless I can use my insurance. And at the same point in time, we are creating for insurance companies, we're kind of, we have to slap a diagnosis within the first session. And let me tell you how many of us, I mean, there's sometimes we have a pretty clear idea. And then there's some that we're like, what? Like I have one particular mm-hmm. client who I've seen now for four sessions and my brain is still going. Cause I, I obviously had to put down a diagnosis for insurance reimbursement, but my brain is like, this is not anxiety with panic attacks. This is full fledged agoraphobia. This is full fledged OCD. This is full fledged, you know, like at the point where I'm at thinking, I'm like, are, are we psychosis or is this schizophrenia? And let me tell you, it's like, yeah, I put down anxiety the very first day. Cause I'm like, I know I at least have that, but I'm like, this is more than anxiety. Yeah. 41.1. And, and, mm-hmm. and I can 100% <laughs> that I, yeah. Okay. So uh, working class individuals, anybody that has a job nine to five, anybody that is not a member of an elite, very wealthy group of people in the United States do not have enough time to research no. all of their insurance reimbursement rates. So it is makes perfect sense that folks are coming in like, no, I'm only going to use my insurance because what else do they know? Are there options? Mm-hmm. So that's why I love, and this is for everybody listening, you know, tell your clients about Open Path Collective tell your clients about sliding scales to help your clients, you know, if they cannot pay full rate or if you don't position, help point them in the direction to the thousands of therapists in the state that probably do have a sliding scale position. Cause there are, there are a lot of options out there that are not well, insurance. And think, insurance and- is not always helping the client. No. And I think that's one thing that has really happened over COVID, especially as we get connected with other therapists, because we're kind of trying to rewrite the book as we go. We're starting to recognize truly how much, how isolated we've been. And we don't act, we're, I think as therapists, we're talking more to one another than we've ever have. Mm. 
And as we're doing that, we're figuring out um, some things that we're like, oh my God, you experienced this. This is totally not okay. And so we're figuring out how we can network, how we can actually help people while we're maintaining our boundaries and yet helping another therapist who could totally help this client has the availability to, um, you know, that's what I love kind of right now that has happened with COVID is that finally as therapists, especially us, um, I want to say, I don't want to say younger, but we're totally younger. Um, us younger, more tech savvy therapists who are like, wait a minute, this doesn't have to be like this the millennial generation for like many reasons are finally like again doing that that shaking of the hands the clapping of the hands I'm done with this you know this is not sustainable so what else will happen but community you're exactly right exactly and I mean it is it has been fun to be part of that it's been fun to see kind of this new movement happen of hey as therapists we're finally we're, we're finally not letting people say you're a therapist, you're here to help us roll over and break your boundaries for us. We're saying, Hey, we can maintain boundaries and our own health while helping other people and doing it in a way that is productive and letting the entire world know that as therapists, we're standing together. We're not doing this shit where we're not talking to one another because we're afraid that they're going to come and swoop in and take our clients. God, no, I, I hate that as I've kind of when I first got into private practice where no therapist was willing to talk to me unless I was willing to work for them. It was like insane. And now it's like, you can hop onto a Facebook community or, and I'm going to do a plug here for Megan Kelly and her anti-work collective. I am totally doing it. I love her. I love what she's doing. I love what she's done for the field where we can talk to one another and say, Hey, this is what I've experienced. How do we fix this? what do we need? What kind of advocacy do we need? And then we have like Patrick Castle out there. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. And he is this amazing therapist. Again, another plug, if you're going into Facebook, look for all things private practice. And he is all about um, advocating and helping therapists create their own private practices so they can meet their needs as well as meet their clients' needs. He has great resources, especially on um, good faith estimates, um, writing out a network insurance letters, um, getting you connected with how to create a super bill. I absolutely love following his stuff. Um, and he makes, he says it in plain English. That's what I love about it. If you go to your local like state's professional safety board you can't find it unless you're willing to decipher and have like knowledge in ancient languages but Megan really breaks it down Patrick really breaks it down and I love that they write they, they've taken the time they understand what's going on and they're willing to share that information with other therapists so they can feel empowered and say hey you're telling me that working for a 60-40 split and not being able to have any sort of vacation time is not okay? What? Yeah, I. so at this point, and I'm hesitant <laughs> about whether I'm gonna wanna keep this in here, Joanna, but at this point, three of my former employees from my old group practice have reached out to me talking about how they want to uh, 
you know, leave and open up a private practice because things have continued to get, to get worse at my old job. And I'm just, I'm just like speaking all of, all of these truths and like giving a lot of permission. And, you know, it's, you know, most of them are like, yeah, no, I get it. That is definitely something I want to do, but there's also just a lot of like, oh, I didn't know that. Or, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Or this also like gaslit uh, veil of, is it okay if I do this to them? Like do this to them as if they are not taking a good amount of your paycheck, as if they are not uh, making you feel bad for working when you're sick, for working when you're overwhelmed, for pairing you with clients that are not a good fit for you, which is bad for both the client and for you. Yeah. And I can tell you that I'm in the same boat. I mean, it it's tough because we, we've kept up this for the pandemic, seeing so many extra clients bending and breaking our boundaries to accommodate. And now a lot of the group practices are like, well, you've been able to do this. So let's just keep doing it. So example, even my month of February. And again, if you want to take this out, take it out. But my, for February, I've really scaled back of my availability simply for the fact that the month of January, this entire month has really shown me that I am okay with five clients a day. I am okay and can get more accomplished with my clients when I have that space accessible for me to breathe. And um, my private practice going into next week, um, even after I told them, Hey, I'm not taking new clients. We're like, well, we've got these people that we put into your schedule and totally put it in my schedule outside of my availability. And I am just like, well, and this is the first time I've done it. I'm like, well, you need to cancel these people that are you guys scheduled outside my availability because I am not available. Yes, yes, yes. And our billing specialist, who is one of the group partners, messaged me and she's like, Are you sure? Because you've been able to do this. And I'm like, I understand I've been able to do it, but I'm like, I have not been doing it well. And I'm like, I really just need the downtime. And um, that also helps me too, because I am trying to start my own little cute, fun consultation initiative of a, a membership group that looks specifically at helping clients with anxiety. The people I, like I said, I've, I've shared it before that I have so many clients on a wait list and this last um, free masterclass I did in my Facebook group about um, anxiety and coping skills. There was such, I just from that masterclass and people sharing it, my group has doubled. And so I was thinking about what if I just did a mass, you know, a membership group, like 15, $20 a month for people to come in. They have access to a month long course that they can do. I have other professionals come in to do an interview specifically on the brain and anxiety, make some anxiety coping skills available for people what if I did that? And my brain was like, oh my gosh, Carissa, yes. And, and so my brain for February, I want to focus on that so I can help more people. And again, my office, my group practice was like, no, you can still see 37, 41 clients a week. And I'm like, I think I hit the wall of saying no. It's like, it's not possible. I can't do it. I'm nope. I'm fried. Thank you. But no, thank you. And it is tough because that is what people are facing everywhere. And if you work in a community setting or an agency setting, it's even worse. 
So it's it's everywhere. I also just want to jump in and say it's totally okay. Also, if you can only see five clients a week, um, yes, because <laughs> that's what I see, and that's like that's all I'm capable of doing right now. And it's it's really hard to accept limitations. I mean, it's a whole big DBT thing, and I could like spend yeah about well, DBT. But again, as we talk about DBT and we're practice, you know, we're teaching our clients this, and we're oftentimes not practicing that ourselves because it is like example. The Monday after surgery, even if I wanted to see clients, I think maybe I could have done two, two long-term clients that I've had for years that would understand that if I am not fully with it, they'd be like, okay, Chris is having an off day. But we have to look at that, that there is times where maybe there's a week that there's so much going on that you're right. Maybe five clients a week is all we can handle. Maybe four clients a day and then maybe, you know, another day. Yeah, maybe I can do five. The thing is, is when we take care of ourselves and we allow our brains to kind of heal and function and ready for it. We don't guilt trip ourselves for not doing more. That's probably the biggest issue all of us have is we guilt trip ourselves. I should be able to do more. I need to be able to do more. I should. Those shoulds. That's where I say, that's where you're not accepting reality. If you've got those shoulds going on, you're, you're not, you're not radically accepting reality. Yep. And it goes back to my favorite saying from the show Mythbusters, I reject your reality and substitute my own. (laughs) shoulds reject our Uh, own reality i hate those shoulds get out of here go away shoot (laughs) but you know as we talk about that it's like accepting it is going to be hard and uncomfortable for all of us therapists but when we do it the amount of awesomeness that we can help present and create for our clients is so much more amazing yeah Mm-hmm. I agree. I could go down a bunch of rabbit holes into this, but I think we should bring ourselves back to everyone is <laughs> looking forward to the spring. <laughs> yes, yes, let's bring ourselves back to spring cleaning. And one of my favorite things when we talk about spring cleaning is one of the things that gets us motivated is that we have increased sunlight. So as we were talking about um, our pineal gland and our brain, is starting to reduce the production of melatonin, which makes us alert and also allows us to have more energy. And when we have more energy, what are we doing? We're moving more. Our prefrontal cortex is getting engaged and it's starting to be like, you know, when you were in that winter hibernation mode, yeah, your place looks like shit. We should do something about that. (laughs) And so as our prefrontal cortex does that, we are giving ourselves so many like rewards when we do things and we see things being accomplished, which is why with spring cleaning, some people, when they get started, they can't seem to stop. Um, I'll call myself out on that one spring cleaning. I will deep clean my kitchen. And the next thing I know, I'm reorganizing my spice cabinet and washing down the inside of the cabinet. And yeah. And I'm like, did I really need to do that? So as we talk about that awesome release, we're getting that dopamine release. We're also getting connected to things that we forgot that we enjoyed Um, because spring cleaning also helps us unbury some of the clutter and all the fun things that we used to do. Like, you know, I don't know, even when I was cleaning my room, I found this cool yak 
yarn that I purchased last Ooh. year. Yes, it's really cool. It's yak wool. And I found it and I'm like, <gasps> inspired to go back to crocheting. Do it. Obviously, once my big awesome cool yeah. cast is off, I'm not going to crochet with my cast on. Um, probably a good idea. Yeah. Um, but I'm like, I'm like, just do it. Doesn't matter. <laughs> well, my husband jokes with me because I'm left-handed. So I crochet left-handed and he's like, you know, Chris, I can make you an attachment for your hook that just sits on the outside of your cast. So you can just like captain hook it. That'd be really like, hard. That'd be, that's, that's also a, a, a way that not accepting limitations. Like, exactly. You know what? Right now I just can't. <laughs> exactly. But as we're cleaning, we're rediscovering some of those hobbies. And so we're getting a dopamine rush. We're getting an oxytocin release. But the other thing we also have that happens when it comes to spring cleaning, and this is kind of the evil dark side of spring cleaning that we tend not to forget, is we have that negative self-talk that comes out, especially if we struggle with depression and shut down anxiety that makes us feel overwhelmed by the task that has to happen. And so when we talk about that, we talk about how can we break things down into doable things to help reignite your brain serotonin production, but yet honor the fact that you have to do things slower. And that's where my favorite go-to thing to teach people is smart goals. Oh my gosh. I love smart goals. I love them. Um, but with my clients who have kind of like that lack of motivation, it's like, sometimes it's as simple as saying, Hey, this week, let's accomplish cleaning the bathroom sink. You haven't done it in months. Let's, let's make that our goal. What can we do to make it realistic? What can we do it, you know, to get it done this week? And by doing that, we're setting our brain up to reward itself. And again, that's why I love the brain science. It's like you explain it to people, they get it. I like that too. I also like, uh, from a different angle too, just telling people to set a timer for five minutes and then really congratulating themselves for everything that gets done in five minutes, which ends up being a shit ton of stuff. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love, it's funny that you bring that up because doing timer challenges like that is my favorite thing to do with people with ADHD as an Mm -hmm. ADHD brain myself. I find myself doing it all the time. Like prime example, I have the timer set on my phone, my phone here, that I will remember to change out the laundry. And then within that time frame, I can do whatever I need to do. <laughs> and doing that sets a set of urgency. So what happens in our brain when we set those timers is our brain is now focused on what has to happen in that time frame. So rather than our amygdala saying, oh my God, I don't know what to do. I can't do this. This is too much. Our prefrontal cortex comes in and says, listen, amygdala, stop being a bitch. We are getting stuff done and we get it done. And then you're right. When you reward yourself saying, thank you. Oh my gosh, look what I did. I got ABCD done. We're priming the pump with dopamine, which is telling our amygdala, Hey, this wasn't that bad. Let's do it again. So it's so cool. That is really neat. So you're, and there's a little bit of neuroplasticity in there too, right? Cause you're learning, yeah. you're unlearning these, which for every every adult that had ADHD as a kid that learned this like badness around not completing tasks and yeah. this, you know, like lack, you know, how we like moralize productivity and things like that. So you're relearning that. And it might take a little while, but our brains allow us to learn new things and make new I grooves know. And, and the new habits. Thing is, is 
we can learn new things. A lot of people think that this is how it's always going to be. I'm always going to be like this. No, nope. no, there might be days that are a little harder than others. I mean, I think about when it's, um, I don't know, negative 22 degrees. I'm definitely not going outside to learn things. I'm not going to the store to buy things to learn a new hobby. And I'm sitting here going, I've already crocheted so much. I've already read so much. I can't possibly bake any more. Um, true, true story. I may or may not have tried different quick breads. And so my fridge is full of banana and cranberry and peanut butter and, <laughs> and zucchini and pistachio quick breads. And then my own little invention of strawberry rhubarb quick bread. But yeah, oh my God. yeah, I, I, no more baking. I can't bake anymore. There's no more room. <laughs> I think it's hard too. I mean, I'm, I'm d- dealing with like, definitely there has to be another word for it other than cabin fever, but I, it's my, my therapist this week was like, you need to leave your house. You need to leave your house once a day (laughs) because like just feeling trapped and like not seeing people. I mean, I've, because I'm pregnant, I've been like super careful about going places and not going places because I don't want to take that risk. But after a while, my mental health is deteriorating to the point where I'm like, I I need to leave. I need to like, this house is I'm done. I'm done with this house. I'm moving somewhere else. Yeah. And so when we talk about that and just kind of that clustered feeling, we have to remember that as humans, we were not meant to be isolated. We're herd animals. Mm -hmm. And so our brain still has that herd mentality as much as we want to be hermits and say, yes, of course I can survive at home by myself with Netflix and the computer and just chill we can't, we need that interaction. Our brain is actually geared, geared to, to run on oxytocin. It's why we seek out external validation. It's why we seek out physical connection. It's why, you know, even though we can sit here and say, Hey, I'm a badass and I got this done today. It doesn't mean as much as having somebody else say it. I'm going to say that if I get accused of fishing for a compliment again, bitch, I'm just getting my oxytocin. (laughs) Exactly. Well, and think about it. When, I mean, when we do that, when we're fishing for a compliment, that is our brain saying we need to have a connection. We need to know we're on the right path. We can blame our pregunal cingulate cortex, which is kind of this cool part of our brain that wraps around our amygdala saying, hey, this would be a good idea and you could get more feel-good neurotransmitters if you did this. And then the amygdala goes, oh, hell yeah, I'm on board, let's do it. And the amygdala makes it happen. It's kind of like the the pregunal cingulate cortex is that quiet best friend that really causes all the trouble. (laughs) We all have a friend like that, that they might just make a suggestion and say, hey, you know, we could do this. And next thing you know, you're buying tickets to Colorado contemplating abandoning everything and staying there <laughs> mm-hmm. your, your petty betty friend yes 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 you know the type exactly so when we fish for compliments and that's and I hate when people say that and they like make it sound like a bad thing it's like dude no mm-hmm. we're trying to build a connection with you we're trying to validate what we're experiencing is correct we're trying to get our brain to feel good about what we just did 
And yeah, so I was feeling super down. And then the dog psychiatrist came to our house <laughs> to tell us all these <laughs> things about you getting the dog ready for the baby. And it made me feel so much better because it was just like another per- person, another input. Mm-hmm. My brain was like, yes, new things. Yeah. Like I'm getting excited about like getting smoothies in the mail. Cause it's like new, you know, <laughs> I'm like, why am I so jazzed about these? I got some like daily harvest, uh, smoothies, not a plug. Oh. Um, <laughs> I like the idea of us not judging that, it, you know, cause I feel like we are kind of trained into judging that as like, Oh, you know, you're allowing money to buy happiness or yes. like, fuck, like what nonsense that is. But no, I, I have mean, to say, I just enjoy <laughs> Yes, we enjoy we enjoy getting things that make our lives easier. We enjoy just getting new things, things that are shiny, maybe yeah. things that we were waiting for. Different. Like Joanna, my my husband got that got that freaking Titanic Lego set. <laughs> and That's it's amazing. Five feet long, and there's nine thousand. He hears me yelling, most likely. There's nine thousand pieces, <laughs> but it is. He has re, he's rediscovered Legos, you know, now in his late thirties, and he loves doing that. It makes him so happy. It makes him so feel so calm because he's also, you know, ADHD and anxiety. And mm-hmm. I, the joy on his face when he got when not only was the Titanic available <laughs> finally, but then when it was oh. delivered, holy shit! Incredible. I think you sent me a picture. He looks very happy. I did. He looks very happy. <laughs> But those are the things, again, that we do. And even when we get back to the idea of spring cleaning, I mean, we're rediscovering some of those hobbies. We're rediscovering some of those pleasures, even if it's, you know, and it sounds funny, even if I'm cleaning up paperwork and I see like the paper had like a word search, I'm like, yes, yes, I love word searches. And then I don't do them for a while. And then I rediscover them when I clean things again. I'm like, why, why do I wait? Why do I let it get hidden and all the other paperwork? Um, but that's the fun thing about spring cleaning is we can rediscover those leisure activities that can stick, that can help us regulate what we're feeling and get us to have that outside validation that, Hey, life is fun again. And to not feel guilty that we stopped them in the first place. Oh my gosh. It's okay. It's okay that you're not crocheting right now. It's okay. (laughs) Like, like, again, what a, what a gendered experience. I mean, from everything from the fishing for compliments to finding happiness and like something that's maybe material. That's also like a very, like something that like a, a fab and like women are very shamed for historically and currently too, is just like pursuit of pleasure. I, mm-hmm. even the pursuit of pleasure in general. And I love that just kind of embracing and saying, fuck yeah, that's, that's what's happening. Well, and that's the thing. And I think a lot of us have gotten away from, and maybe COVID again has brought it more apparent that these are things that are okay to do, especially if we can't, you know, I, I don't know about you guys, most volunteer opportunities are shot down right now. We can't be, yeah. we can't be selfless and go volunteer. Um, but taking the time and being like, you know what, this brings me joy. And I don't care how much money it it costs, or if people tell me I'm being frivolous. I have found new joy, especially since I can't like do stuff with my, my arm. I have found new joy in, and this is going to sound really, 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 really weird. And sure it's not. Oh, okay. Sorry. I cut you off. What was it? Oh, I, I have found new joy in collecting coffee mugs. 
That's all right. right. And all my coffee mugs, it's like they have a, an awesome story. And even when I'm in my office, I have a new mug each day. And some of my clients are like, oh my God, that is crazy. Um, and these are ones that have fun sayings on that are really, really silly. And I absolutely love it. And my, I even, my mom even told me, she's like, I don't understand what's up with your coffee mug addiction. And I'm like, I don't care. It's awesome. That's so great that you don't understand it. All I'm yeah, doing is I mean, even that, like, for we, the love of God, <laughs> we we put that word addiction on things that we love to, like, you know, make it seem bad. Like, you yeah. know, and and that's and that's harmful too. You know, to be like, yeah. no, it's just something I love to do. Like, I'm not addicted yeah, to mean, it. It's no different for you know. It's no different than people who enjoy gardening. No different than people who enjoy you know cross stitch or making art or writing, or wrestling, wrestling exactly. Or even as I hear, um, my husband is getting ready to take our kids to their favorite 4-H event um, ever every other week. They get to go hang out with their friends and they get to do something new. And you know, it is. The thing is, if it brings us joy and it's not creating harm, there is no reason to feel guilty about it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think this is also introducing is our next, episode. like our next, like new part of, of this season is we're not asking the guilty pleasure question anymore. That is yeah. gone from our lexicon. I don't know if lexicon is the right word. Yeah. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but we get it. We understand it's there. it. We got it. We got I it. use the word lexicon. Like that's pretty cool. Good. I think yeah. I, that's good. Yeah. That's like the language of the culture. And I think that's, that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. yeah Cause we, we, we shouldn't feel guilty for these. It's like, it's just so harmful and I see it in clients and then I see it in myself and I, and like, as someone who's going to be like parenting a child, like I want to create so many places for validation and, and like eliminate those places of invalidation. And I could talk for three hours about that. Oh my God. And I can tell you as a parent of three kids, that has been something that my husband and I have truly strived for is making sure that our kids get that validation, that they're doing things that they enjoy and that we're letting them know that it's not bad. My son is a total gearhead. Um, He's 12. If he can take it apart, he's going to take it apart. If he can soup it up to make it go faster, he's going to make it go faster. And for Christmas, what we did, rather than buy all these extravagant gifts, we bought him an old engine. That's so cool. That's very and cool. My, you know, and so many people are like, why, why would you buy him a busted engine from a scrapyard? I'm like, dude, he is out in the garage. He's learning tools. He's having fun. He has now started welding because now he's making a go-kart to put this engine on. And I'm a little scared <laughs> because this is an engine on a go-kart that Uh, could cause great physical damage. That's my, that's my concern. But the thing is, is he is in love with it and it's his favorite thing to do in the world. So he is out there tinkering on engines and he is loving it. And my daughter who's 10 is a musician. She, we bought her a cello and she is just in heaven. The girl has already figured out more songs at 10 years old than most people can do. I mean, I don't know how familiar you guys are with the song Rasputin, but mm, no, yeah. I think so. Oh, look, take some time tonight on YouTube and look up the song Rasputin and 
It's a 70s disco song, but it is hilarious and has made- So it's likely that I know it. I just don't know the name oh, of gosh. it. Oh gosh, it's made, it's a huge <laughs> resurgence, like trending on TikTok. Yeah, I, I, I think I've like Solid. seen yeah. that it is researching, but I don't yeah. know what it is. It, and it's going to get stuck in your head. And I will not apologize for it getting stuck in your head. <laughs> well, I want, I want to say that, like, I think the number one thing we can do for ourselves first when we are experiencing this guilt is something I've been working on with my therapist as well. Yeah. And it's self-compassion, right? We yes. please forgive yourself and don't judge yourself for being gaslit by a culture that demonizes pleasure in any, just, just, yeah. Hey, listen, Hey, Hey, listen, self it's fucking okay. I'm sorry. This hurts. This is painful. This is suffering. This is, it's nonsense that the world has made you feel this way and you do. And it's okay. And yes. next we're going to try to learn to unlearn that, but certainly, certainly, certainly in your pursuit of pleasure, do not demonize yourself for being sad that you are pursuing yeah. pleasure. <laughs> well, and that's, it comes back to that idea, this crazy idea that as humans, happiness and joy is a basic emotion. I mean, hell, even Disney got it right. Disney got it right with Inside Out. It is a basic emotion that we experience. And we've kind of gone from this one end of the spectrum where we cannot experience any negative emotions. And I use air quotes though there because there's no such thing as a negative emotion, but emotions that are uncomfortable and hard to feel. We have now gone to this other side where we shouldn't have, we, we, we shouldn't feel joy. We shouldn't feel interest we shouldn't have time we have to be completely selfless and I don't know about you guys I've got four horses in the backyard that tell me yeah I get to be you know I can be selfish and I can go hang out with my horses obviously right now (laughs) but you can buy yourself some smoothies if you want I mean like I had such guilt I was like oh should I get this yes yeah yeah you know get it final answer and that's the thing is as we move into it and I think as we talk about spring cleaning it's truly an amazing analogy for us spring cleaning our brain allowing ourselves to feel good allowing ourselves to enjoy hobbies allowing ourselves downtime it truly is a you know spring cleaning experience because we're kind of shoving out this whole idea that we have to be on the go. We have to be driven. We have to be 100% present all the time for everybody else. It's really getting rid of that idea and being like, you know what? I can be happy. I can enjoy what I have. I can take time off. I can get that smoothie. <laughs> yeah. So excited about these smoothies. They're coming on Wednesday. I'm like counting down the days. It's like Christmas over here. I know. So good. So I think that that, I mean, if anything, spring cleaning has definitely helped, you know, helps people change their frame of mind of what is capable and what we're able to do versus sticking with the status quo, kind of like, you know, you don't go outside anymore without a hat and gloves and a face mask on. Yeah. And not even a face mask to protect yourself in stores, like a face mask that protects you from having um you know frostbite the face hurting <laughs> weather yes I was which like, i do love thing about nice... this huge mask is like Ooh, yeah i love my nose that. isn't I, cold I love it. <laughs> yeah so this these new questions are from a, a game called you know and it's like uno but with uh 
would you rather questions i've never played yeah. the actual uno game part of it so i don't actually know if it's like uno but it yeah. seems like it is and um yeah so some of these are a little rough and some of them are geared towards teenagers all right yeah um but this one's a fun one would you rather be tired but look great or look sleepy but feel rested oh my god um you know i think i i think i would probably go with look good but feel tired only for the sheer fact that i feel like i've been tired for so long <laughs> that i'm used to the feeling <laughs> i think it would yeah. be great if people could stop commenting on the fact that i look tired um <laughs> that would be nice but I would also love to feel rested. So yeah, don't get me wrong. I'd love that, but I've, yeah, like you, I am so tired of people coming up to me on a regular basis. Are you okay? Are you sleeping enough? Are you, you good? It's like, yes, I'm fine. I think like, that's no, so actually mean. I'm not. I don't, I don't think <laughs> there's you... any kindness behind it. I think it's so mean. Yeah. <laughs> I think in a world, in a world where people didn't make comments about your physical appearance, I wouldn't be that tired in that world. So I don't know if this, I deny this reality or whatever. Okay. (laughs) But I, I have, I would rather, I hate being tired, but I've done a lot of work around my sleep anxiety. So I'm, I'll, I'll elect to be tired Mm -hmm. looking and I'll just put on some really nice eyebrows for the day or whatever, you know, I'll figure it out. (laughs) See, I've never been able to figure out the whole makeup thing. I have never been able to figure it out. I always look like some weird clown. And it's like, maybe, maybe if somebody could teach me how to do makeup, right, maybe I could go the other way around. Well, I am getting a, I, I booked five months out. I booked a powder brow uh, appointment. So I'm very excited about Ooh. that. So I won't have to do anything ever except for mascara, maybe sometimes, but oh, nice. I don't do anything ever. tattooed on my face. <laughs> I All right. So yeah, to... Carissa. Yeah. <laughs> Carissa, thank you so <laughs> much for coming back. Yes. Thank you for tuning in in central time mm-hmm. from, cent- from central time. We appreciate where it's it. very oh, cold, where it's very cold and it hurts your skin, but there's no lizards. So. There is no, yeah, there's no poisonous lizards. And oh, yeah. I, I feel cause like there is, there is a line where I'm like, I could never live below this line. Cause I know there's poisonous things. Yeah. 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 I'm hyper aware of the line. But Carissa, it means so much that you could come back and be our first returning guest. Yeah. Thank you. Yes. It was so much fun. Awesome. All right. Is there any, oh, do you have any other plugs you'd like to plug? Plug in. Um, no, I mean, the only thing I have right now is look forward to at the end of February, I should have my um, membership group up and running. I don't even have a name for it yet. Whoa. Oh, I, yeah. No, well, as I soon as that happens, we'll share it. We will share. Yeah, it let us know. So, cool. all right. Well, thank you guys so much. Absolutely. We'll talk thank to you Thank Thank you for listening to the show. Be sure to subscribe slash rate slash review us on Stitcher, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. You can check us out on Instagram on the gram at TNDPod or on Twitter at TherapistNDPod, all one word. 
or visit our website at tntpodcast.com. Uh, and, and also in preparation for 2022, it is already 2022. <laughs> we're going to be revamping our Patreon. So, uh, look out for that. We're going to kind of change things around. Super excited. Um, and that is T and D, uh, sorry, patreon.com slash T and D podcast. Uh, and if you want to send us an email, if you lo- would love to be, uh, interviewed on the show, we don't have to specifically talk about you. Like today we can talk about any topic that you want. Um, you can send us an email at therapistndpod uh, at gmail.com. That's therapist plural ndpod at gmail.com. No, it's not. It's therapistsnextdoor at gmail.com. Sorry about that. Or you can you can shout out at us on any of our socials. Definitely Mine. not the Twitter because uh, it's not happening. Yeah, maybe it'll happen uh, soon. Visit my website at teletherapywithsarah.com. Pennsylvanians looking for therapy. I have some mid. No, I'm not going to announce that now. Teletherapywithsarah.com. Blog also teletherapywithsarah.com forward slash blog. Look for blogs talking about uh, millennial mental health care. What else? And something big is coming from me. So wait for that have your expectations be appropriate. What about you, Joanna? Something large is going to come out of me in like six months. So it's exciting, but, um, <laughs> uh, you can you're going to say six minutes, like, the oh, no. Okay. Keep going. I do have to be, but <laughs> anyway, I gotta, but I'm not gonna keep that in anyway. Um, Yes, orianatherapy.com is my therapy website. Also for Pennsylvanians looking for therapy, I got I got a couple openings. Um, so feel free to check that out. Um, and yeah, I'm, I've got plans for the future too. D&D is going to be involved. So that's exciting. Until next time, we are, we your, are your therapists next, next door. door. Bye. Bye. Nice job. Um... <laughs>